This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome to another exciting episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. And in this episode, we are talking about developing partnering intelligence for effective sales. It's another episode in series uh, for the SDRs, A's and ZSNs, but literally it's for everyone in sales, um, as my guest speaker just told me before we started recording this. So we're joined by Fred. He's the founder of Rindy's, um, and he's working on an exciting concept of a training consultancy which is dedicated towards collaborative selling. Um, I would first want to ask you, Fred, uh, if you can give our audience a gist about what Brindis is, and then we can move more towards the partnership model and other things. Yeah, sure. So, so Brindis is my company, it's my organization. Uh, been around for 17 years now, I think, Brindis. Um, it, it's Spanish, that's your Spanish word. It's Spanish for the word cheers uh, or, or a toast. Because when I set it up, it was because I was running the academy for Corona Extra. Uh, you know, the, the, the Mexican beer. It's when, it's when Corona was a good thing. <laughs> um, and so that's when I was doing lots of different sorts of sales training. Over the years, though, what we've done is we've started to really focus in on this concept of collaborative selling, uh, which for me is the next iteration of sales, having moved through sort of consultative and value-based selling. Collaborative is where we're going to go. And so, yeah, that's what Brindis is. It's, it's my vehicle for, for getting the word out there and, and trying to help as many people be as, as successful as they can in sales. Yeah. Yep, that's really interesting, uh, Fred. I was also going through your LinkedIn profile and saw a lot of interesting things in your experiences. But I would want to keep this specific to partnering intelligence. And I would love you to describe what do you effectively mean by partnering intelligence, uh, not in literal terms, but of course, for the salespeople. What do you mean by that? How important it is for them? And how do you think they can apply it in sales? Sure. So look, my, my, my role, my job is to is to get people to be as current and modern in selling as they possibly can. And as I've already said, for me, collaborative, working closer with customers is the way to do that. Yep. Okay, so how can we help people to do that? A couple of yep. years ago, I came across this concept of PQ. Now, people probably will know IQ. They might well know EQ, intelligence quotient. I saw PQ, which are partnering skills. So it's not something I've invented, partnering intelligence. They're skills which a guy called Steve Dent researched in the, in the sort of the 90s when the companies were sort of coming together to big alliances, um, which help people to partner better. Because if he says, organizations don't partner, people do. So you look at these six skills which help you be a better partner. And I look to them and go, well, you know, when you see these six, that's relevant for any, any salesperson. If you use this as your kind of guiding ethos, if you can develop your mindset around this, you're going to be better at selling today. And so that's where I sort of took the PQ stuff and I bake it into, I wrap it into all of the sales training and the stuff that I do. It's, it's in book one. That's why I wrote book one, basically. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty interesting um, because a lot of people might have heard about IQ, um, intellectual quotient we talk about, not about PQ. So that's a very interesting term. And I would definitely want to uh, dig a bit deeper into that uh, and understand from you the six elements that you were talking about before. 
Sure. Right. Let's have a bit of fun. Let's have a bit of fun on this. I'm going to go through the six elements. I'll stop after each one and I'll see if you can push back to me and say, no, no, I don't think a salesperson needs to do that. <laughs> How about that? That's, that's a good one. I'll be <laughs> Let's see live. if you can. <laughs> Let's see if you can. Live, live, yeah. live challenge. Okay. So six elements. The yeah. first one, and they, they all they all work together. Okay. By I'll go through in a sequence. Mm. The first one is trust. Okay. It's the foundation for relationships. It's the basis of good communication. We need to build trust with customers. Customers have to trust us. So that is one of the elements of PQ. That's what I will talk about in sales training and, and how we can start to do that. Do we absolutely. think salespeople, <laughs> you can't argue oh, that absolutely. one, can you? <laughs> Because, uh, you know, if you don't have trust, if you, if you can't build a trust with your customers, no one will buy your product, no matter how good your product is. But if you're not an authentic, trustworthy person, yeah. um, I, I'll not buy a product from you. It's as simple yeah. as that, especially in case of enterprise level sales and bigger sales that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I think everything, but certainly the bigger sale, the more complex it becomes, the more that will start to be important. Okay, yeah. next one. Win-win focus. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about win-win in sales for a long time, haven't we? And so that's a good partnering skill. It's like, it's understanding what the other party's trying to achieve. You know, it's being able to resolve conflict. It's discussing stuff well. It's, and it's sharing what it is that you need to get out of this too. So again, I don't know. Is that something you can push back on? I don't think so. Win -win no, I don't is think absolutely so. important. Yeah, it is. And, and look, we've talked about it for a long time, and it, and it affects so many things. It affects the discussions, negotiations, just generally working out what's mutual benefit look like. And I think it's also kind of co-linked with the fact that uh, when we say that a salesperson should be empathetic, a salesperson should yeah. be able to fit themselves into the in the customer's shoes um, and once you put yourself in the customer's shoes then you can understand what is the value they're getting out of the product and that's how you can yeah. communicate to them that that's the value you're getting and that's how you're winning um, see, and that's how see now you're jumping ahead <laughs> no because i mean these things all work together because the next one we want to talk about is being comfortable with interdependence Okay, so, you know, sometimes we, we cast this image of a salesperson being like independent, strong, lone wolf type character. Well, that's not correct. We want people who are able to think that my success is your success. So if I can make my customer successful, that's what you were saying, then that's success for me. Now, to do that, I'm probably going to have to bring in other members of my own team because there'll be people who've got very sort of specialities and things that they can bring to the party. And the customer will want to do that as well. So the more interdependent we are, the more effective we're going to be in selling. Absolutely. <laughs> can't, can't argue. It's a great game, this, isn't it? Because I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what you were talking about is, when you talk about being empathetic, I, can't, I think you said uh, authentic, transparent. Transparency is another element. Now, now, Steve Dent talked about self-disclosure and feedback. I'll tend to use the word transparency now because it's just one that's a bit more common and it's, it's a bit easier. It's easier when I'm writing on a flip chart. <laughs> but what he means by this is that we give information about ourselves so that people can relate to us better. <laughs> that's what you were saying, yeah? But we also give feedback to customers about what they're doing. And this is a mistake I think a lot of salespeople don't do is they think, well, I can't say that to the customer. Well, no, no, you, you must do. That's part of the job. So again, by being transparent and being very, very open about things, we make for better selling. 
very cool set. Of, it's a cool Absolutely set. Of agree. I can't disagree on any of these things. <laughs> oh, I might make one up just so you can, and then say, "Hey, it wasn't the real one anyway." Okay, now the next one. The next one. All these are easy to understand in principle, but sometimes they're a bit harder to apply. I think this one is probably the hardest, which is comfort with change. Okay, as salespeople, we are change agents. We are selling change. We're often trying to get people to do things differently, to think differently, to move from status quo. And we know that status quo is probably the, the biggest winner of all sales at the moment. So we have to think about how can we do that? If we're not comfortable doing it ourselves, if we don't understand change and the kind of the process and the, the feelings, the emotions that people go through, and that's what people miss out. It's, it's all very well getting excited about, hey, this is the brave new world. But to get there, it's tough. So the more you can understand that, the better job you can do as a seller. Again, a definite tick mark. <laughs> Definitely. But it's true, though, isn't it? Status quo. I mean, I wonder how many of your listeners are like kind of, well, I'm not winning the deal, but my competitors aren't winning the deal. The customers just don't want to do anything. The change is too risky. They don't see the, the need to shift. Um, the more we can help people with that, the better selling we'll, we'll do. Um, and then the, the sixth element is having future orientation. So this is about creating common goals. It's understanding where we're going. It's getting the vision really clear between the two parties. You know, think of it almost like as a mission. We make our decisions based on where we're going with this. We talk about that. We can use mutual action plans. Moving that way rather than looking backwards all the time and what might not have worked before. That's where we need to, to get. We need to focus more on the future and where we're trying to get to rather than always looking backwards. Absolutely. And I think the, all the elements that you are touched, that you're talking about are so critical. And I myself see my applying these elements in some or the other aspects uh, it, on a daily basis. It, it is. I mean, it really is, isn't it? It's, it's kind of hopefully people think it's kind of what I do anyway. My job is to say, well, do it definitely and do it deliberately. Really think yeah. about how can we bake in these into our as I said already, the sales ethos, the mindset we've got in the way that we want to work with customers, because that's going to change. Rather than trying to sell to somebody, we start to sell with them. It's it's subtle to a degree, but it does make quite a difference in the way that customers perceive you and how they want to work with you. So indirectly, you are making them a part of your team by uh, making them a collaboration tool an effective yeah. collaboration tool. You are trying to bring them um, on your site when you are yeah. selling it to your client. So I think uh, there are some terms like catalysts, influencers yeah. Yeah. in the organization to your selling. If you can uh, kind of convince those catalysts or influencers yeah. who are going to be critical to for your customer to make the yeah. decision, whether to buy a product yeah. or not, if you can convince them and make them shift to your boat, then yeah. you're your ship is ready to sail, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, or, I mean, let's look at it. Let's take it even further. I become part of their team. I'm here to help you. I'm on your side. You know, I know what you're trying to achieve because I understand you, your company, where you're going. I understand some of the different things going on in the industry. I'll share them with you. I'll get you to think differently. If salespeople can get help customers to think, that's a massive service they can do to them. That, that's the new job in sales, I think. 
help people make sense of stuff. So it's like we we are all one team. You know, we, we've we've got these this, these common goals. It's mutual interest, and let's work like that rather than I've got something. I'm going to try and make you buy it. Ah, that's that's old fashioned. That doesn't work. <laughs> but some people are still trying to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what do you think out of the six elements that you talked about? Is there any specific element which you think is more important um, or less important than other, or you think that all six elements play? a really critical role in, in it, the salesperson's life. It's that they they work together. I think that's that's the strength of this whole set of partnering skills. It's like if you, you know if people know EQ, you'll say, well, okay, yeah. that's a mixture between understanding yourself and reacting to it, understanding customers, you know, other yeah. people. Which one's more important? So we'll know it's both both parts. They all do come together. Um you might argue that trust is the foundation, but what I would say is though they all come together and it is easier. It's it's better to think that I want all of this stuff powering up my sales approach because it's just going to raise me more because I'm thinking about all of these things. So you don't think there is anything uh, more important? I, 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 I think I... I I think the idea of understanding PQ and bringing that in as a way to help you is the important yeah. factor here. You can't just pick one and go, yeah, well, I'm a bit busy to be future oriented or I haven't really got time to be transparent. I'm just going to be like comfortable with change. I mean, it doesn't kind of make any sense. They they almost like multiply each other, don't they? So it's just pick one. It doesn't make sense. If you're going to do this and you're going to take it seriously, you might as well bring all of these into play. Because when we translate them into actual sales behaviors, because this is a bit conceptual, isn't it? Actual sales behaviors, they all play an element. So, I mean, I talked about questioning. So if we talk about, look, I want to get better at questioning. That's what I want to do. It's a key, it's always been a key sales skill. Why? Okay. Well, it's going to help me understand what the other party's tried to achieve. It's going to help me know what their success is going to be. So I can start to become interdependent with that. It's going to help me get better information so that I can understand them better. And they can actually understand me because I can feed bits in of things that I know. It's going to help us work out what that future we're driving towards is. It's going to help us work out where we are now, where we want to be, and why that change is so important. Yep. So actually, the sales skill, it's bringing all of them in together. So you don't need to kind of just, just pick one, you know, the, the order of the day. Absolutely. One of the things that you talked about is creating a win-win situation for both the parties. I definitely feel that this is a skill which is not only relevant in sales, but it's relevant across different domains and across uh, not only your professional life, but also in your personal life. Uh, when we are talking about bargaining on different things, when we are talking about creating a value for the other party while we are chatting with them, while we are talking to them. Because if you have to convince someone related to any kind of Thing that you want them to be convinced for yeah. you need to create a value for them and make them understand that that's what you're getting out of it this yeah. is what you'll get um and that's why you should come together with me not only in terms of product selling but in terms of your first life as well isn't it yeah yeah again you could say that about all the elements of pq you know partnering you know, what partners you have you have a life partner you know friends family that kind of stuff it, it does come into play and and you do pick a really interesting one there, which is the win-win, where often we will talk about, well, am I making sure that the other party is getting their win? 
you know, I'm being selfish here. Is it something that's beneficial to them? What I would also counsel people to be aware of is don't forget your own because lose win is as unsustainable as win lose. <laughs> you know, if it's like, well, the other party's getting a great deal here, but I'm not, you know, business sense, I'm losing money. I can't do that forever. Personal sense, I'm unhappy with the way that that's come out. <laughs> you know, other party thinks it's great. I'm doing stuff that I don't really want to do. Again, it, it doesn't work. So just making sure that your side of the win is as as represented as the other parties is a is a key skill actually, and it's it's often that part that I'll need to get people to uh, to start thinking about more. Yeah, now you know, Fred, that I'm I'm a salesperson, and I'm going to put my customer's hat on. Um, my customer for this podcast is the listener on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. While they're going to listen to this podcast episode, I'm sure that is going to be their question in their mind that. This guy, who is the founder of Brindis, his name is Fred, he's talked about something really good. He's talked about some really great six elements on partnering intelligence. But they might think that this is something very hard for us to understand. Some of them might think might be very hard for us to understand and implement in our daily life. Um, what will you be telling them? Are there any resources that they can look at to kind of build their partnering intelligence? Or this is something which you gain over a period of time. So you should listen to more experienced people who have already done something of that sort. Sure. No. So what I can do is if uh, if you I can give you a couple of links to uh, one will be a tool which people can fill in a little quick survey to to get a, like a score for each of those elements of PQ. So a little PQ self audit so they can work out where they are now little report and then they can think well how can i do better purely on the pq piece what i'll also do is give you another link to a scorecard which is more for the salesperson so the pq bit can be for anyone but more for the salesperson because what i've done and the work what i did in the book is to take pq on one hand to take the sales best practice because a lot of stuff that we do in sales it doesn't need reinventing needs updating sometimes and some stuff needs throwing away because it's rubbish (laughs) i mean really but it then bringing it together in a way that makes that current and kind of good for now so it's like a scorecard again if people answer some questions it'll give them a tailored report back and extra information about how to apply that in real life so we can certainly furnish them with that if they want to connect with me I, well, I'm always talking about this, as you know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm trying course, to champion it. I'm trying to push it, you know? So I'll try and yeah, share of as course. much. I'll be sharing, I'll be sharing, people. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sharing those links for sure. But I just want to understand from, you know, your uh, belief as to how important is experience uh, in part, in understanding partnering intelligence? Because if someone is new to any industry in sales, they might find it, not difficult, I'll say, but more difficult as compared to a person who is uh, already in the same industry for 10 years, 20 years. They've gained the experience. They've gone through different customer interactions. They understand what partnering means. They understand um, because they've gone through the process. Do you think experience has got something to do with this? Um, do you know what? I don't think being more experienced gives you any more benefit in getting better at this. You know what? It could even give you a bit of a disadvantage because you might have old old habits, bad habits. If you've been around in sales for a little bit and you've had various forms of sales training, there could have been some ideas which were fit for purpose or, or popular at the time, but which aren't necessarily as useful now. 
so you kind of got some baggage you've got to get rid of. If somebody's listening to this and they're newer to the game, you know, they, they've got a clean sheet. They can start to get into the world of sales with a very current thinking. And bear in mind, sales is changing faster than ever before. I mean, frightening speed. And so it's like, well, people are coming into it now, can be bang up to date and go, well, this is what we do, isn't it? Yeah, we send videos. Yeah, we do stuff like that. Yeah, we send voice notes. And there's some silly examples, but there's people I'm working with who go, oh, no, no, I won't send a voice note. Oh, no, no. Videos, oh, I'm not going to send a customer video. Whereas for somebody who's more used to that, I go, oh, who send videos? God, who's, who, who looks at words? <laughs> so actually, the having a fresh set of eyes, a kind of clean, a clean slate, means that people can adopt this stuff straight away and faster, perhaps. Absolutely. I'm, and I think I'm a complete believer of this thing that if you are in a team of a mix of individuals who are having fresh thoughts, fresh ideas, who can bring in fresh ideas to the table and then who can also have some experience. It's a mix of them. It's always a good combination because experienced mindset will always share their, their experiences, their mistakes they've already committed in the last five or six years. And the fresh mind will bring in something new to the table, which maybe they have not thought about or yeah. they are not updated about those things. So I think that's a good combination. I also want to understand from Sorry, you. Sorry, let me, let me jump in. When you're talking about mindset, rather than experienced or fresh, which, which are good things to look at, I would tend to look at whether it's fixed or growth. And that really does, right. again, not matter how much experience you have. If someone's got a fixed mindset and that's the way they do it and they're not going to change, that's hard. I find these people incredibly difficult to work with. But I don't anymore because that's my choice. Whereas someone who's got a growth mindset, who's going to take things on board, who's going to try stuff, who likes new, who's going to keep developing and wanting to get better, they're the people to hang out with. Doesn't matter if they've been in the company 10 days, 10 years. Be with growth mindset I, people. You know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for bringing that topic up in because on this podcast itself, I think around seven to eight months back, we had a discussion specifically on this topic, right. which is called fixed versus growth mindset with another business coach from Melbourne in Australia. Uh -huh. So we talked about this thing that uh, how important it is for you to build a growth mindset and not stick to you know, a specific thing uh, itself. Well, what's your general take on you know, building a growth mindset for sales and uh, life in general? Um, I mean... I'm not an expert in this. You know, I'm going to go and listen to that podcast now. <laughs> I just know that people tend to have, or somewhere on, on the spectrum of that, and I know that people are fixed. It's incredibly hard to work with. I don't know how easy it is to change. And, and if people can change, well, that's brilliant. I don't know how to do that. I'm concentrated on sales brilliance. And it's just I know that if people are ready to grow, then I can help them faster. Um, I'd like to think, I mean, I, I have... I say I'm not an expert. I have read up on this and, yeah. you know, neuroplasticity and the fact that the brain can change if you want it to, then it means that we can start to develop it. But I suspect what your guest said is if you want it to. And if you've got a fixed mindset, you probably don't want it to. So it becomes a bit of a, a kind of a vicious circle that it ain't going to happen. Um, so, yeah. And before we, before, we, before we end today's uh, podcast episode, I want to kind of sum it up um, and want to understand from you any two or three tips with regards to partnering intelligence that salespeople can kind of adopt from the time they start listening to this episode snippet on LinkedIn 
any two or three snippets that you think that they can learn from uh, two or three takeaways that they can uh, learn from sure so it's it really is what what we've been talking about is think of your customer as a partner yeah think of them as someone you're going to work with you're not trying to sell to you want to work with you're trying to serve them you're trying to put them in a better position which in turn is going to put you in a better position now again that might sound a little alien to people alien to people it's like oh, i've got a sales target i've got to push my stuff onto folk people are attracting from that more than ever you know we're hearing about salespeople being ghosted it's because you're not adding value or sale uh, customers are further down the buying cycle than ever before because they're not seeing that salespeople are helping them so in position yourselves as someone that no no i'm here to help you i want to work with you i'm going to bring good resource to you like perspectives insights i'm going to help you think that is what's going to set you apart from everyone else that's what make you incredibly attractive that will create you a great personal brand forget about worrying about the posts and telling everybody what you do doing what you do and creating a reputation because that's what we used to call personal brand <laughs> will go far more um to, to, to help you being successful in what you're doing yeah i don't know how many tips were there about 20 but <laughs> absolutely phenomenal i think uh, there was so much to learn um and one of the key elements was to just understand this model of partnership and collaboration which can which can help you win so many deals um, in sales if you are just working on the small model so you are not hard selling you are still adopting this concept of soft selling uh, by not telling them that i'm selling this product but i want to enter into a partnership with you i want to you know understand your problems um, i yeah. want to help you out uh, and i want to understand what you're going through at this point of time what your organization is going through and then kind of provide a solution to that problem Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we end this session? Yeah, and and it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean it is a formal partnership. You're not signing up as an alliance as business partners. It's yeah, the mindset that we are working as partners here, which yeah. also then has an effect on how you feel you are in that relationship with the customer as well. Because again, Absolutely. thinking of the target market, some people might feel a little bit inferior. No, no, do not. The value you can bring to a customer. put you absolutely on a level with them think like a partner absolutely absolutely thank you so much fred lovely talking to you i hope to see you again on a different topic i'll share all the links that people uh, might find resourceful along with this episode thank you brilliant now it's my pleasure thank you this is an ultimate global podcast Hello and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Sorab Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.